Welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast. Indeed, it is Quality Hang. I am Rod Brooks. I don't know why I had to think about that for a second. Maybe I was having an existential crisis. Uh, I am joined, as always, on this podcasting adventure by my partner in crime, uh, the king of New Orleans. He is Marcus Osborne. What's up, man? How you doing? What's good, man? Uh, sometimes you can't forget who you are. It is a real... <laughs> That's a real thing that happens to many of us. <laughs> Who am I? Why yeah, am I here? Exactly. <laughs> real talk. <laughs> How are things going on your end? Man, everything is good, dude. Uh, you know, the weather's fantastic. And oh uh, we are closing in on my favorite month of the year. And that is the month of October. Is it uh, because I care about uh, the, the changing of the seasons as we are now in fall? Nope, really don't care about that. Am huh. I a big fan of Halloween? Eh, eh, I don't care. It's candy. Not a, I'll not a Halloween it. fan. I, but I'm, I'm an adult. I'm not dressing up for Halloween. But, you <laughs> the, know, fine. Going kids out love and getting it? candy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids How love about it. the missus? Uh, she she fine with it, fine. <laughs> but it's just you know Halloween. I'm like eh, whatever. I don't care. I'm uh, with you. But, I'm with you, but, dude. You know, I do like uh, I do like candy, so I'm fine with that. No, why do I like October? It's because it is the absolute best sports month of the year. Forget about March. Forget uh, about April. Forget uh, about spring. Uh, it's October. Why? Professional football is in full swing. College football is in full swing. The most exciting time for baseball is happening. The playoffs start uh, here in a uh, in a few days, and the NBA kicks up. And mm. if hockey is your thing, hockey starts in October too. October, hands down, is the best sports month, and I am always here for it. Dude, I you know what? You when you lay it out like that, I never I never really thought of it that way. But damn, you're on point. That's one hundred percent true. And people say, well, it's the spring. You know, let's just say late uh, March, early April. Because baseball starts, well, the beginning of baseball, the middle of baseball, and the end of baseball season all look exactly the same. It's damn boring. Yeah. Baseball is only exciting when there's something on the line, and that's called, uh, you know, that's called the playoffs. People get excited about, and I love to watch the Masters, even though the Augusta National is a repulsive place run by repulsive people. Oof. And I, I do enjoy the NCAA men's basketball tournament. But you put all that together, that doesn't compare to college and pro football really getting going in uh, in March or in uh, in October, along with baseball playoffs and the other stuff that I mentioned. So to me, it's 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 October hands down. Yeah, man, that's a really good point. Like all those things are on point. I never, I never really thought of it that way. Uh, you know, we talked last week about the waning interest in baseball, and it just hit me like. We think of baseball as this kind of boring sport to watch, but I used to be glued to baseball games on TV, and I would watch every single pitch of every single inning, and I just don't have it in me to do it anymore, and I don't think the sport has changed anymore. As a matter of fact, I think they've probably done their best to make it, quote-unquote, more exciting with a shitload of home runs and people striking out all the time and all that stuff, but ah, something about it just, just does not move me the way it once did there's better stuff to watch on television. Oh. The NFL is a much better television product. There are simply more things to watch Facts. on television, you know, as far Facts. as, uh, as scripted dramas or comedy or, you know, whatever you want to call it. There's just more. And we now have the internet that 
for a lot of people, for a lot of people, that's how they get their entertainment. That's how they watch television. So there's just more stuff for us to do. I mean, back in the day, the two of us, we watched baseball and followed every pitch. Yeah. Because we only had three channels. <laughs> every, every every basketball game was not on TV. Every football game was not on TV. So when you got sports on TV, you watched it because you weren't going to get more sports on TV probably for another five to seven days. So baseball was all there was. So you just watched it. Now yeah. that ain't the case. I mean, there's a lot of truth to that, dude. There's a hell of a lot of truth to that. Right. We'll get uh, we'll get deeper into sports in just a second, but when we start an episode of Quality Hang, we always start with the all-encompassing lifestyle section. Oh boy, man! I mean, it, it's, it always seems I don't know. It just feels like we get these types of things happening with such alarming regularity now. But Hurricane Ian hit hit uh, Florida yesterday, last night, mm-hmm. and just watching the devastation this morning, the aftermath of it. And now they're talking about, yeah, it, it may kick up again later on. Like, oh, my God, how much more can people deal with? It's, it's just, uh, it just, it's hurtful to watch these people. I'm watching these news anchors in boats canoeing through these residential areas where the water is up to the roof of these homes. And, of course, they're talking about there's alligators in the water as well. It's just, oh, my God, Rod, it's it's. It's so hard to watch some of this stuff. So hard to watch. Yeah, man. My my heart breaks for uh, those people in Florida just, A, just on a human level, but also I know what they're going through. You know, mm. growing up in uh, in Houston and and going to school in Louisiana, you know, I've, I've ridden out a couple of hurricanes. Uh, that's not fun. Uh, I know people who have been devastated by hurricanes, you know, whether it's Katrina in New Orleans or uh, Ike and Hurricane Harvey in Houston. Hurricanes, um, they scare the hell out of me. And, Mm. you know, watching the coverage yesterday um, as we tape this, you know, it just I don't I don't know if it if it stirs up a certain type of PTSD in me. It Mm. it just it like I I know what I, I know what a hurricane can do. Um, and even if you get through it without any property damage, you know, be, they're going to be out of power for weeks yeah. in southwestern Florida. Not mm. a few days. They are going to be without power. When Hurricane Ike hit Houston, I forget when it was. We we're probably talking about 10, 12, maybe close to 15 years ago. Uh, peeps in Houston, uh, my family didn't have power for two solid weeks, mm. two weeks. Uh, that's two weeks without uh, the ability to refrigerate food. Yeah. Uh, for some people, the if you have an electric uh, uh, stove or oven, that's uh, two weeks without the ability to cook food. That's two weeks without air conditioning, which is very important still yes. this time of year yes. in uh, in the southern parts of uh, of the United States. So, um, you know, the people who lost um, life clearly that's the most important thing, and and that's tragic, and you feel terrible for a loss of life. But people who lost property, you feel for them for obvious reasons. But like I said, people who didn't lose property, who were mm. able to survive it fairly intact, it's still going to be a long, hard couple of weeks because the devastation caused by this hurricane was was significant. Yeah, and for, for me, there's just such a feeling of helplessness and wishing you could do more and help more and, 
and knowing there's really absolutely nothing you can do mm -hmm. and you it just drives home this point again uh this should not be a political thing they've made this a political thing but the but the idea that climate change is not something that's real every year we see these weird things that have never occurred before and it baffles me that people that people don't really attribute this to a lot of the things that we could be doing as humans to mitigate a lot of the effects of climate change because that was a scientist talking yesterday about you know basically the point was is that you don't you're not you don't have to expect to see more storms that's not what's going to happen it's what the you're intensity gonna, of the storm. that's you're going to see bigger and more yeah. intense storms right. right and that's what we are seeing and it's oh a 500 mile wide storm right insane yeah. and and listen it was a, a monster in size and ian was a monster in intensity mm -hmm. when when rarely ever do storms make landfall and they're at the category five stage they yeah. normally are they normally hit cat four or cat five stage when they're in open water because right. there's a lot of warm water for the storm to use to generate its destructive power and then when they get closer to land or, you know, even when the outer portion of the hurricane hits land, the storm tends to weaken. So it'll drop yeah. from a Category 5 to a 4, which is still a hell of a storm. So sure. It'll drop from a 4 to a 3, which is still a hell of a storm. But normally when they touch land, even before the eye wall actually hits land and, and you have uh, the hurricane make landfall, the, the, the storm tends to weaken. Land is always going to take the power out of a hurricane because a right. hurricane needs warm water to to intensify this bad boy hit florida as a category five crazy if that doesn't tell you that climate change is real then you're just not paying attention but people crazy. don't pay attention to climate change until the results of climate change is knocking on their front door mm. and i'm sure that there are people in florida right now who either got through the storm and they are like how in the hell did that happen or worst case scenario they lost something of value whether it's property or a life and I guarantee you now they're looking going, oh, climate change ain't no joke. We mm. as human beings, this is not a political thing. We yeah. as human beings don't tend to understand things that are bigger than us until all of a sudden it goes from macro to micro. Until yeah. it goes to, from something bigger to something more personal. And I think and, that happened to a lot of people in Florida. And one of the things that really kind of disturbs me is that uh, as people we have a tendency to assign things like this to a higher power. Well, this is just God. Uh, this is just w God's will or whatever. I'm like, nah, man, this is some scientific shit. And y'all need to, y'all need to start paying attention to it as something that can be dealt with scientifically. Because I, as I watched people talk about this, even the people who were hit by this thing, I mean, a lot of them were just going, you know what? This is just God's will. I'm like, are you serious? I'm not even knocking religion, but I'm like, some, at some point, there's got to be some connection to the actual facts uh, uh, that come from science. And yeah. they've, they've been saying this stuff for years is going to happen. This is not some God thing. Well, boy, oh, boy how do I put this? Ah, I just got to come on and say it. Uh, if you're a person that believes in God, then you're probably not a person that really believes in science. Unfortunately, that's, that's pretty true. You get where I'm coming from. So, uh, but but also to to look at it from a less cynical 
<laughs> or accurate point of view. <laughs> uh, boy, I'm going to get some phone calls about that. Um, <laughs> th th when, when people say, you know, th I'm going to let go and let God or this is yeah. God's plan or yeah. whatever, um, that, that's, that's comfort to a lot of people. And I don't, I don't, I don't blame people for seeking comfort and solace in a higher power. Yeah. You know, and so listen, if, if that helps you sleep at night, if that helps you deal with a catastrophic event in your life, then via con Dios, you know yeah. what I mean? All yeah. right. That, that, that's fine. I, I, uh, I actually, I, ha I have a couple of friends. I have one friend in particular who uh, is a scientist who works over uh, at Cal, who's a big believer in God, but a gigantic believer in science. And, this person's whole thing is that no, I believe in God, but I believe that God has given us science. <laughs> okay, <All right. laughs> but you know, it's it, this is an interesting conversation because I I steadfastly believe that the the real purpose of religion is to give people comfort in in life, and it, it would be really mind blowing for everybody to suddenly wake up one day and go, you know what? There is no meaning to life. Everything is random. We're just all here by happenstance, and none of this stuff matters. There's no point to it. There's no purpose to it. It's just we're all here, and we've all signed this social contract to do things a certain way, and that's it. It's not because of a higher power. It's not because of some uh, deity's plan. It's simply all chance, and that would blow people's minds that would be too much for a lot of people to deal with they 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 wouldn't be able to handle it would just be too big yeah. it would be too massive of a of a thing for for a certain type of person to comprehend i mean listen mm. since the beginning of time human beings have tried to understand all of this you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm twisting my index finger around in a circle to try yeah. and understand all of this. Why is the sun there? Why does it get light? Why does it get dark? Why does it get cold? Why does it get hot? Like <laughs> we, 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 we cram to understand what's happening. And you, you, you look for, for easy answers to difficult questions. You dig what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And a very easy answer to the difficult question of what is this? How does this all happen? How did this and I get here? The easy answer to that question is God. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that's exactly it. It gives you comfort to believe that there is something else in control of everything. Good and bad. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look at us. Breaking down the meaning of life. <laughs> because there isn't one. <laughs> <laughs> um, mentioned that uh, it is uh, Halloween season. Uh, already see stores uh, selling pumpkins. And uh, the terrible people who make up the Republican Party and all of their sycophants, they have come up with a, uh, with a new lie, with a oh, new boy. scare tactic uh, this, uh, this Halloween season. And it is that drug dealers who are notoriously famous for giving out their products for free. By the way, <laughs> I hope you have your sarcasm detector on because I just gave you a massive dose of it. Uh, uh, Republicans are saying that um, there's a new scare this Halloween season. And it's an old play on the, the 
the um, debunked apples full of razor blades. Oh my God. From back when we were kids, drug dealers are now giving out fentanyl to kids mm. during this upcoming Halloween. Or the plan is they're going to give out fentanyl to kids this coming Halloween because fentanyl, they've said there's this thing called rainbow fentanyl pills. And they look like, supposedly, huh. candy. Huh. Um, this has been quickly and clearly debunked. It's not a thing. It's not going to be a thing. Yet, uh, these uh, Republicans are ginning up this far outrage because uh, they realize that the people who uh, buy their line of bullshit uh, normally are the type that like to uh, be outraged by things that, when you think about them critically, really make no sense. Mm. And as I said before, the number one thing you got to know is drug dealers do not like to give away their product for free. No way, no how. Full stop. Yeah, preach that shit, brother. Preach that shit. I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about these guys. I, I mean, it, every they're they, assholes. That's what you say about them. Well, they, they've <laughs> met. They, they have so managed. Because every election is obviously it's about getting people emotionally involved, and there is no greater emotion that motivates people than fear and anger. Yep. And they specialize in getting people pissed off and scared. And if the other people like you and me and women and gays and trans people and Asian folks and immigrants, the other those folks into making them feel like if you don't do something about these people, you see this little thing they do here, that little thing they do there, that little thing they do there, it's all creeping in. They're going to take over. Now, mind you, they love everything about us. <laughs> they mimic us. They want to be us. They love to be entertained by us. They love to read us. They love to watch us. They love to listen to us. Um, but they sure as hell don't want anything else to do with us, with us other than to make sure we are the scapegoat for everything that seems to go wrong in their own world. And this yep. is just another one of those things, right? They're coming for your job. Yeah. They're coming for your kids. <laughs> They're going to take over your neighborhood. Yeah. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. That's that's all it is. It's scary yeah. tactics. Well, and, I mean, why, why do you think they hate... Why do you think they hated hip-hop so much? It's because these little white kids are the main people buying hip-hop music. Why do they hate uh, uh, rock and roll and Motown so much? Because these little white kids are out there buying that music and loving that music, and they're scared as hell that they're going to be like these black folks. Like, all this stuff, it's so easy to diagnose when you actually pay attention. Yeah, they uh, they hated hip-hop, and then they realized, oh, we can make a shit ton of money off of it? <laughs> yeah. 70% of hip-hop music is bought by white males. Think about that for a second. Do you know how it's still... I don't know if bothers is the right word, but anytime I hear explicit hip-hop, especially hip-hop that has a liberal use of the n-word yeah which is most hip-hop nowadays yeah it's not a judgment it just is and listen yeah. the n-word is why does it use so much in hip-hop because it rhymes with so much <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious it does it's, rhyme it's got that double g you can either end it in er or a and you can, it rhymes with bigger and yeah. trigger 
and figure. Like, and listen, that's why it's so popular because it runs. Um, but but when I hear explicit hip hop coming out of the car of a white person, like I said, bothers. I, I, I don't think that's the right word. But I just there's you still feel some kind of way. You feel yeah, some kind of way, man. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I do too. I'm. I'm, I'm I do too. I'm, you can. You can like what you like. I, I, it's not that, but it's just, it's something. And I, I don't, I guess I am gatekeep, gatekeeping, but I'm not trying to gatekeep. But it's just one of those, like, but how do you really feel about us? Like, you're cool with our massive contribution to culture, but how do you really feel about us? Are you down with us? Yeah. Are you against us but, you, but but we're just a you know we're just a, a bit of in, entertainment to you we're just a a commodity to you I, it it and am i having these complicated thoughts while sitting in a red light for 25 to 30 seconds absolutely because i am that type <laughs> of a complicated person yeah man i i don't blame you i feel the same way oftentimes i hear when i hear white kids or see so many white kids that or just non-black folks in general at these concerts and seeing them seeing them in their cars and they're playing his music. I, listen, I'm not anti the music, obviously, but it does make me feel some kind of way when I see those folks listening to that music. And just like you, I'm going, mm, you're not really down. I mean, I get that you're entertained by us and you're clearly uh, fascinated by the things that you hear coming out of certain segments of this particular culture. But are you using that... Because this is what's going to happen. They're going to take that music, and at some point in their lives, they're going to use that music to justify their shitty bigotry towards <laughs> these people. I mean, it, it invariably it happens. Well, you hear what they say in their music because they don't. Right. Because let's be honest, Rod. We we coming out of the Bay Area, there's that bubble, and there's this there's this diversity that we all grew up in that is not what the quote unquote real world is like. So most people, most people, most white people, and certainly black folks too, they don't have any close relationships with people from another race. Right. So all they know is what they hear in these songs and what they see on TV. And that's where they're making their judgments on us. This is why our portrayal in media is such a big thing to folks who have a little bit of melanin. Because mm -hmm. white folks are not judged by that one that one serial killer you see <laughs> we don't go you know you know it's never a serial killer when you go you know what i hope he's not black because obviously we know it's gonna be a white dude but when it's not we don't sit and go okay we're not going to be judged by that one serial killer it's just a whole different dynamic and all that consumption of all that product and media stuff with black people in it primarily hip-hop is what we're talking about here i know it gives these cats a certain perspective on on who black people are and it reinforces a certain image on who black people are because they're just not smart enough yep. to understand that this is just music. Let's jump over to sports. Um, mentioned that we are in the, the throes of another fun filled uh, football season, both college and pro the NFL has been, um, you know, we're coming up on week four. The NFL has been particularly wacky, but uh. As I mentioned at the uh, at the top of the show, October 
the Warriors, the defending champion Golden State Warriors, are in yeah. Tokyo as we record this episode of Quality Hang, and they have a preseason game, um, I think, Marcus, within the next few hours. I know it's going to be within uh, within, the ne- within the next day or so, yep. and the regular season starts here <laughs> later in October. Uh, because the Warriors uh, uh, played for and eventually won the NBA championship, and that stretched into June their offseason was as quick as a hiccup, man. We are back into the NBA. Wow, dude. I'm so juiced. I got a little something. Um, I thought about this a couple of days ago. And I, now in hindsight, I probably should have given you a little bit of warning. But this will be fun just to see who pops off right at the top of your head. No, keep so me on my toes. What you got? I came up with this thing called the Barkley Awards. These are the awards you give out preemptively. <laughs> okay. Right. Name five players, five top line players, number one players, all star players, who are going to have great careers and who, or maybe have had great careers, but you know for a fact they're never going to win a title. Mm, uh, James Harden. Harden. I haven't put him down. Good. Any particular reason why? Um, I, I, I don't think his game is a winning game. Mm. I think his game when it's at its best is even, even though he has shown the ability to be a distributor, um, and play team basketball, I've seen him shrink far too many times in massive situations. Now, the situation he's in in Philly right now, I mean, with Joel Embiid, who's one of the best basketball players walking the planet, it's 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 a good situation. And, and Philly is clearly going to be there. But I'm just not a believer in James Harden. And I have uh, I have I have ample examples as to why James Harden is just not the type of guy in my estimation that is a, <clears throat> to use a catch all term, a championship type player. Good one. I I like that one. And I, I actually agree with that. He wasn't on my top five, but I agree with that because I'm starting to realize that there are, cert- there are certain players who are great players, mm-hmm. but they simply, for whatever reason, they don't have that thing that gets their team over when they're the number one player on their team. Yeah, James Harden. And Harden is one of those guys. <laughs> now, in this, in this situation, as I mentioned, he's Joel Embiid is that dude. The Sixers yeah. are Joel Embiid's team. Yeah. Uh, to use that 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 overly uh, used phrase, whose yeah. team it is. Um, but yeah, you know, when talking about him, you know, just in a singular form, James Harden is the person you just described. And you know what? Here's what's funny: the the uh, one of the five I have on my list, Joel Embiid. I think he's great. I just think I'm just not certain he can ever. He's ever going to stay healthy enough. Yeah, to so help otherwise, sure. Yeah, I just don't think he's going to ever stay healthy enough to help a team win. Uh, if he gets a full season, and I also, again, this goes back to Harden. I just don't believe in a guy like James Harden. I don't believe in that that Sixers organization in general. Now, listen, people could have said the same thing about the Warriors ten years ago, and they would have been well within their right to make that assessment. But I just feel like, as great as Embiid is, as great as Harden was. I feel like I'm just not sure these two guys are the ones you want to have leading your team. 
here's what's tricky, and I'm curious to hear the other four players on your list, but here's what's tricky about this this question. Because the player movement in the NBA is is, is a real thing. Yes. You know, I I just I think about Devin Booker, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't I, I think the Suns are I think they just had their their moment in the sun. Oh my God, that was just awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I can see them sliding here, starting this year and beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Chris Paul, a great player, and he's been great for that team. But he he's not getting any younger, and we saw him, you know, fade in. Uh, and the Suns faded. Yeah. Uh, as uh, as a result. Uh, there is clearly some dysfunction within that organization beyond the the Robert Sarver uh, terribleness, but there is some dysfunction between DeAndre Ayton and the head coach of the Suns, Monty Williams. They had not spoken since May 15th, Mm. the day that they got bounced out of the playoffs. They had not spoken. You can't tell me that that's not a prime example of dysfunction. Mm. So I mentioned the Suns as a team that I I think they're, they're, they're going to fade. And Devin Booker is the best player on that Suns squad. It's going to be hard for him to win a championship with the Suns because I just I, I see it not going well for them going forward. But Devin Booker in a couple of years could end up, and I'm just throwing a team out here, he could end up on the Lakers. And if yeah. he ends up on the Lakers with the right group of people, the next thing you know, Devin Booker is it could be an NBA champion. So I, I, I just I think about guys in their current situations. You know, I think about Damian Lillard. Uh, that's one Damian, of my other ones. He, he's not going to win a championship in Portland. That's never going to happen. Yeah. But could Damian Lillard win a championship in, I don't know, I'm, again, just picking a team, Miami? It's absolutely possible. possible. Because player movement and the players being empowered to 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 grease the, the wheel and get them to a situation that they think is better, that's a thing in the NBA, which is yeah. why the NBA is a, a, you know, a 12-month-a-year uh, discussion topic for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I uh, Damian Lillard is one of the guys on my list. Um, I do think he is a number one guy. I just don't have faith in in Portland being able to pull together the roster for him. No, it's not. And if Damian decides to at some point leave, he may be past his prime where he can actually be that top guy by the time he gets the chance to go to a team that's actually really good around him. Yeah, I mean, he, he. The thing with Damian Lillard, and this is Portland's fault, is that when they had Lillard and CJ McCollum, mm. they were an undersized backcourt, and teams, the Warriors in particular, would absolutely attack that uh, that matchup, attack that weakness. So Damian Lillard, again, not going to win the championship with Portland. That that ship has sailed. But if he goes somewhere else and he is in a backcourt with a bigger player, a bigger two-guard next to him, all of a sudden Damian Lillard, who is still, I believe, in the prime of his career, Damian Lillard is is a dangerous force next to a player. Uh, let's just say Clay is the, the archetype. Mm. You know, you just go back and think about yes. when Monte Ellis said – uh, when he and Steph were, were the backcourt for the Warriors, he said, I'm paraphrasing here, this is not going to work. And people thought, oh, well, it's because he because Monte wants to take all the shots. Monte wants the glory. No, Monte yeah. knew we were way too small and we were going to get our asses kicked. Yeah. And the Warriors knew that too, which is why they traded Monte Ellis, and which is why they got themselves a bigger guard to go along with Steph yeah. and Clay Thompson. Did anybody think that these two would become the greatest shooting backcourt of all time? Mark Jackson said he did, so give Mark Jackson credit. <laughs> he did. I don't know anybody else who did. Nobody else did. Uh, 
I got uh, here's another one. Okay, Kyrie. Yeah, I'll, I'll, well, he's already won one though, so you're saying he's not going to win another. Yeah, that's true. So I'll take him off because he's already got one. But even then, he was. But I think he's. Uh, there's a weird thought I've had lately. A lot of this generation's great scores, most of these dudes are major Kobe Bryant guys. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. most of their game is about one-on-one and me just putting up points. And I, just like there's only one Jordan, there was only one Kobe. And these dudes ain't Kobe. And Kobe was about as close to Jordan as one could get with without being really that close to Jordan in my eyes. These other guys are not Kobe, and Kobe was number one. These other dudes, what they do is score. I think that when you are the number one on a team, your responsibilities and your hand in winning comes from more than just being able to put the ball in the basket. And I don't think that Kyrie offers more than being able to score. I don't think James Harden, well, maybe my mind has changed a little bit on James Harden. But I feel like he doesn't offer a hell of a lot more than being able to score the ball. And another guy who was on my list, Bradley Beal, same thing. Mm-hmm. This dude is an amazing scorer. He's probably going to go down as one of the, the great scorers of all time because he really is great. But he plays on a crappy team in a crappy organization. He's just going to put up 28 to 30 points a year for 10 years, and nobody's going to think twice about it. <laughs> He's going to become Dominique Wilkins. I mean, yeah, he's he's balling for the Wizards, so yep. already you're at a disadvantage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I dig Bradley Beal's game. I yeah. absolutely dig it. But, man, you're doing it for the Wizards. Ain't nobody yeah. checking for that. Yeah. Um, Paul George isn't going to win a championship. Wow. Nope, not going to happen. Mm. Not, 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 uh, not pandemic P because mm. this game is sick in the playoffs. <laughs> no. <laughs> And 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 everybody, every man, what? Every, everybody riding the Clippers jock. All oh, the Clippers, uh, uh, Kawhi is healthy, and the Clippers this, and the Clippers that. Like, yeah. I mean, don't say nothing to be about the Clippers. Yep. Until they do two things: they beat the Warriors and yep. they make it to the finals. Yeah, right? make it to the finals. Until that, and, and to make it to the finals, they're going to have to be the Warriors at some point in time in the Western Conference playoffs. Oh, my gosh. So miss me with this Clipper dick riding, okay? <laughs> miss me well. I don't care how talented the roster is. I don't care what they look like on paper. I don't care what they projected to do until proven otherwise. Two things. They ain't beat the, the Warriors, and they steal the Clippers. I got I got one more for you. Jimmy Butler. Oh man, I, he, the the mm, the reason I don't put him on that list is because he that outfit in Miami is really strong. It is, um, and 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 I could see just just on the strength of of the Heat culture, and and I know people roll their eyes when they hear. Heat culture, but I think it's it's a real thing. It is. I do and, too. And I believe it's, in it. It's a proven thing that is I that is won championships. It. Yeah. Um, I'm I've just never been a fan of Jimmy Butler's game. So I, on, on one hand, I kind of want to be like, yeah, Marcus, I think you're right. On the other hand, who he is, his game, and what he's about on the court fits right in 
with what Pat Riley has built there with the Miami Heat and the culture yep. that they have. Yep. I just think that they're I just think that Jimmy Butler, as great as he can be at crunch time, I I, I still feel like there's just that one last gear that he doesn't have. And also, I just don't think uh, Miami's going to be good enough over the next couple of years to really – anybody in the East, to be completely frank with you, that's not the Milwaukee Bucks, it's going to be real hard, man. It's going to be real hard for me to believe in him because that West is just fucking mm-hmm. – it's, it's fucking stacked. Yeah. yeah. It's just insane over there. But, but Miami is that destination. Yeah. You know? and, yes. And if Miami would have been able to pull off and get Kevin Durant, then now all of a sudden you're talking about a whole different situation. Um, let me, where, let me where Milwaukee is still the class, but but you know, again, in this hypothetical situation, if you got Kevin Durant down there with Jimmy Butler and the rest of those Miami cats, that's a pretty strong deal. Your question, sir? Yeah, my imagine this question is uh, sticking with hoops. Just if you're the GM, let's say I handed you the reins to run uh, the Rockets. Okay. And uh, I say, Rod, give me your philosophy how are you going to build this team into a champion and give me the top three things that we must have in order to be a championship caliber squad first and foremost you have to be able to defend at a championship level when you need to mm. and this is this this, this when is, you need to that's a really good point to. when you need to because this is the game is different this is not defense wins championships but a lack of playing defense means you will lack championships. Mm-hmm. People, people, people forget that about the Warriors, or they just completely and totally gloss over it. While the Warriors, as an offensive team, or without peer uh, defensively, they that's that, that's where they've made their bones. They, that, they, that's how that's how they've gotten to. They stay sport. in that top six, six te- uh, typically in the top six defenses in the league every single year. So I need guys who know how to play individual defense, and I need them to work together as a team to play defense and win. And and they need to be able to throw that big joker down on the card table when they need to to get themselves into or out of certain situations. So to me, that's first and foremost. Secondly, this it's 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 still a game of athleticism because basketball is always going to be a game of athleticism. But now it's a skill game, and I need guys who are skilled. I'm mm-hmm. I'm. I, I want I don't want guys who go, well, I'm a power forward and that's all I'm gonna do. Well then you can't play for me because that's not the game anymore. Mm. You have to be almost positionless. You have to be able to play the three and the four, and you have to be able to defend threes and fours. If you're mm. in the backcourt, you're not just a point guard. You're gonna have to be able to play off the ball and you're gonna have to be able to defend off the ball. Um so I I want guys who are able to to like I said, they're positionless yeah. and they're able to be what I need them to be in a certain situation. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's the offensive version of what I talked about defensively. I need yeah. you, I need you to be <clears throat> able to do certain things at the absolute right time. Uh, so to me, it's, it's, and, and of course you, you have to shoot. You can't, you cannot survive in this league if you can't shoot. Yeah. Um, and and, you know, if, if you think it's going to be, you know, a bunch of mid range jumpers and all that kind of stuff. Well, no, that's that the, the game is completely <laughs> and totally it's, different. it's just yeah. not played in that way anymore. So 
I need skill. I would like some size. That would be fantastic. Sure. But more than anything else, give me some skill and give me some guys who understand the importance of defense and how to play it on the individual or, or team level. You know, and one of the things that we were just talking about is these specific players who are incredible players, uh, but they all seem to be missing for whatever reason that that final thing. What's a player? What's a player comp? Like, how would you build this player to lead your team? What's that number one player need to have in order for you to build around him? I mean, you can't help but think of the the obvious number ones in this league um the the curries of durants the uh the Giannis is, 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 is yeah um and you know still until proven otherwise lebron you know mm-hmm. guys who but i mean but you know again i'm i'm kind of taking the coward's way out here because well everybody wants that guy on yeah their but, squad. but there are there are certain players because you're making the, the really good point there are certain players this is what I this is I finally figured out what I wanted to call it. It's it's uh floor raisers, ceiling raisers. Yeah. That's what yeah. that's that's what I've been like. I don't think James Harden is a ceiling raiser or a floor raiser. Yeah. I don't. I d- and to be completely frank with you, uh Steph Curry, I didn't think he was either until his first healthy season. Sure. And I remember having this conversation with Mark Spears after Steph's first healthy season. I told Mark. I said, the Warriors will be in the playoffs this year because that kid, and Mark laughed at me. I said, nah, dude, that dude can do it. But that's what it is. I realized that's what it is. LeBron is a floor raiser, ceiling raiser. It's not just his talent. I think of a guy like Draymond Green. He's he's not a crazy talented dude, but he's definitely going to help raise your floor, your ceiling. Ben Simmons, he's going to raise your floor, your ceiling. Like, I think you win rings with these guys. Nah, nah, nah. I can't go with y'all now. Mm-mm. Oh, I, I, I definitely think Ben Simmons is is. I think Ben Simmons Mm-mm. is uh, particularly if he if he's being used like the Warriors use Raymond Green. Now, Ben Simmons is going to have to prove that he has the mental and emotional toughness to play and deal with a bunch of bullshit being thrown at him. But in terms of his skill level, his talent, I, I think he's a guy. If you put him on your team. He's going to make your team be better. Here's the problem with Ben Simmons, though. And I appreciate the defense, without a doubt. I appreciate the rebounding. Yeah. Um, can't shoot. Can't, can't shoot, shoot. shoot. Okay? Can't that's, a, that's a deadly combo. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who won't shoot because they can't shoot in today's NBA? Nah, man, you can miss me with that. Give me Jason, give me Jason Tatum all day long. Give me Devin Booker all Tatum. day long. Give me Anthony Edwards out of Minnesota all day long. Give me that killer John Morant all day long. But Ben Simmons, no, bro, not after what I last saw you do uh, when you decided to play basketball. I, no. a, I actually feel some kind of way about Anthony Edwards. I love, love, love Anthony Edwards. That dude is a ceiling raiser. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That dude is. I'm still on the fence about Ja. Nah, he's he's got he's I'm he, still on the fence. He's, <clears throat> and, he's and great. We're but, only going off a of one playoff run or really one season yeah. this past season. But what I saw from him, I I I think he's that dude. I think he's the real deal. I really I think do. Ja is great. I guess what I'm going to be interested in seeing is is he going to mainly because of how good the team was when he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. 
that was really kind of an eye-opening thing. So it's, it says a couple things, obviously. It says that the Grizzlies are very well coached. Yes. And it says that they have a boatload of talent. Yes. But, but the fact that their record was so good without Ja, basically no fall-off at all, and they got better defensively when he wasn't there, it makes me go, okay, this dude is great, but am I being mesmerized by his talent and flair like I was with Kyrie initially? And then it turns out that he's really, really good, but he's not the guy who raises. He's a great leader, and I love him for that. But I, I, I'm just saying I'm holding out reservation. I have to he, see more. He's got to be better defensively, but what happened to the Grizzlies when John Moran didn't play against the Warriors in the playoffs? Well, that's true. But that's a, Yeah, but I'm, I assume that they're going to lose that anyway. Well, no, but, but I bring that up to say him, uh, the, the Grizzlies having a, a good record when John Moran was out in the regular season means absolutely nothing because fair. we know the NBA regular season. <laughs> it, fair enough. It Very means fair. absolutely nothing. <laughs> fair. Very fair. I'm just saying that there's, there's no way, no way that the Memphis Grizzlies are, are a better team uh, preseason, regular season, postseason without John Moran. Does he need to get better? Absolutely. It does his flashiness and this type of play, does it enamor people like me? Absolutely. Uh, but John Moran, I, I, again, this is just my own personal preference. I think John Moran is that dude. I've seen a lot of basketball, and mm. I, I, I have always been uh, the type to kind of reserve judgment uh, yeah. until proven otherwise. Yeah. John Morant has, has, has impressed me to the point where I'm like, okay, I see you. I, I just, I, I think his, his play in today's NBA just lines up uh, absolutely perfect. My last basketball question. I know we had to move on, yep. but uh, John Morant, Anthony Edwards, ten years from now, which one of those guys is going to have more rings? <clears throat> Tell me what team they're going to play on and who they're playing with. Because I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't even know. I don't know if they're winning rings if they stay in in Minnesota and Memphis, respectively. <laughs> <laughs> Fucked up, <laughs> but, but it's true. <laughs> you know. Well, listen. There's more of a there's more of a winning pedigree with Memphis than there is with the Timberwolves. I'm, okay. So well, that's, that's, that's I would like, I would give I would give that to Ja and and the Grizzlies. The, the tallest damn. midget is still a very short dude. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. I'm just saying if, if one's going to like – the Grizzlies have been very close to being championship caliber teams. They've, they've been really close to that on a couple of occasions. I just feel like – but boy, Anthony Edwards, man. I, I just love this dude. Oh, yeah. He, I, he, he's literally one of my favorite players to watch. Like if he's on TV, I'm going to stop and watch that game. Without a doubt. Without yeah. He gives you a reason, really the only reason to watch Minnesota Timberwolves basketball. <laughs> Although I'm, I'm, being, I'm being a bit unfair, they, you know they they were uh, they were a representative squad last year. All right, uh, let's get to the world of pop culture, shall yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is really the only big news to me was the fact that Coolio died. Yeah, man. Yeah, as we record this, uh, Coolio uh, got the news, passed away yesterday. What was he in his mid fifties? 59 um, 59 no, thank you so he was in his late 50s uh preliminary uh reports are saying that uh, he died from from cardiac arrest uh when oh. they found him unresponsive uh in in, uh, in a friend's bathroom mm. in la they said uh, no drug para paraphernalia was uh, was found around his body so no official cause of death yet uh, toxicology reports or i have uh, yet to be um 
to be uh, disseminated to the public. But yeah, heart attack at the age of fifty nine. Yeah, wow, man. that was a bummer. That was a bummer. Uh, yeah, and you know, I always, gosh, it, when guys die that young, I, I always feel like they, there had to be some health stuff going on. Like, yeah, you yeah. You, just, you just don't drop dead from a heart attack at fifty nine. I just just. Oh, I just hope, uh, I mean, I hope we don't find out that he was drugged up or some, some shit. It would just hurt my feelings. I love that guy. He was fun. Yeah, he was Coolio fun. was fun. He was fun. I met him, uh, interviewed him uh, once. Well, this is probably 1998. I was doing some Giants TV stuff for Fox Sports Bay Area. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is when Coolio was just, uh, you know, he was he was just a part of the public, you know, pop culture zeitgeist and yeah. for whatever reason he was at a giants game yeah and i interviewed him i don't remember much about the interview or you know the the substance of it more than likely it was just like hey coolio's at a giants game let's, <laughs> let's have the young black guy interview him um but i remember i remember him being uh being he was in coolio mode for yeah. sure yeah um and i don't say that as a bad thing but he was he was you know he was he was playing the role yeah um and he, but he was a very nice dude very nice dude and somewhere uh, around here i have a coolio signed baseball but um you know the tributes have uh, have poured in and you know everyone has said some version of what i just said that he was a really nice dude um he was a very talented guy uh mm. he was also real nice in the kitchen from what i've learned he, he really was, he was a very good chef who knew uh, you know yeah. coolio uh, would throw down in uh in the kitchen but to talk about his his musical legacy um, two things. Um, Fantastic Voyage is an Great absolute party starter, and yep. it is one of those where the the, the sample and in, in used in that song was used to absolute perfection. Lakeside's Fantastic Voyage, and the mm -hmm. song he's most known for, you know, that took him from kind of a, you know, uh, a funny looking rapper to a a guy that was known by black people and white people in this country and all around the world. Gangsta's Paradise is a jam, man. Oh, uh, it still hits. It's a classic, dog. Still it hits. It's always going to be a classic. And great Coolio sample. Did that. Yes, another great sample. Yep. Great sample. That, that's when sampling is done right. That was so yes. good. Yes. I know uh, it's funny because before Coolio really blew up, blew up, he spent a lot of time out here in the Bay. And uh, I think uh, uh, I've heard a couple of people say, I, I know he used to be out in Oakland a bit. But I think I heard Mark Spears say that he used to sell his uh, his CDs out of his trunk over in San Jose. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's. I remember seeing like a lot of us around here. We we remember seeing Coolio a lot because there was a certain period where Coolio was out here a lot. So there was this thing, Rod. A lot of hip hop artists would come to Oakland, specifically mm -hmm. the Bay Area in general, and then they would get this game on how to like you know market and promote and blow your shit up mm -hmm. and get put on because Oakland primarily, but the G again, the Bay Area in general, there was this real independent hip hop thing that would, that happens here. Sure. Sure. Too sure. short was doing it. Yep. Uh, E40 was doing it, but yep. master, master P came out here. He learned that game. Really? Hung out. I didn't yep. know that. Master P was out here. He was living in Richmond. Um, he came to Oakland. He, he dropped some albums here in Oakland and then he moved and he went Back to Louisiana, and that's when he finally blew up. I mean, a lot of these cats come out here, get the game, and then go take it somewhere else. But he, his independent shit, it started here.
Wow. It started here. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's so interesting. That's why it's like, it's really interesting because a lot of these, these hip hop artists come to Oakland, they get that game and they take that independent stuff they learn here and they blow it up somewhere else. Yeah. And, and Tupac, I guess, is the, the biggest, greatest Tupac? example of, uh, of all of that. I had no idea that yeah. Master P got that game from Oakland, from the East Bay. And yeah. next thing you know, he has a gold no limit tank. In my mind, just 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 crawling down the streets of uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah, wow. man. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Coolio, man. He was a uh, he was a good dude. He was a good dude. Yeah, I liked him a lot. You want to get to the juice? Um, or, or you got more, something random? Yeah, a couple more things. Go uh, for I'm, it. I'm not a big uh, television uh, watcher. Yeah, uh, but uh, what I do love and said that it's coming to an end is Atlanta. Yes, uh, the uh, the Donald Glover joint and uh, season four, the final season, has uh, now had one, two, I believe, three episodes uh, so far played yeah. on FX, and they are back in Atlanta after being in Europe for uh, for season three. Yeah, and man, Atlanta <laughs> is just—I mean, this show is delightfully. <laughs> Weird. It's just I absolutely love it. It is just it's it's television done right. Uh, I just love the way that they 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 um, what's the best way to put it? They highlight uh, the black experience, uh, yes. if you will. And they, they Atlanta is good for just having these jaw dropping uh, moments. Yeah. And so uh, if you haven't really if you haven't gotten down uh with uh season four or any of the uh the four seasons of atlanta i urge you to do so it is on fx i believe it's on hulu as well but uh atlanta yeah with my man uh, brian tyree henry who plays Paperboy and yes. Zach beats who plays van love her and, uh what's uh what's my guy who really Le makes the show delightfully weird Le Le Keith Stanfield. Yeah. man i love that dude he's yeah. so awesome it's just if you're not watching Atlanta, watch Atlanta. It is so, so good. I have to say, Atlanta, like, if, if you watch the show in year one and you compare it to the show in year four, it's almost like a completely different series, which is, yeah. not, a, which is not a bad thing, by the way. It's clearly grown every single year. and It's taken more chances every single year. And I have to say this, Donald Glover, and I say this begrudgingly, <laughs> But Donald Glover, next to Jamie Foxx, probably the most talented person in Hollywood. I, I say that with, with very few reservations. The dude, stand-up comic he's done. He writes and produces music, hit music. He writes and produces TV shows, film. Great actor. I mean, what can't this dude do? I don't disagree with you. I don't at all. I, it, it, Jamie Foxx is absolutely at the top of the list, but Donald oh, Glover yeah. is is a ridiculously uh, talented guy. Yeah, I'm I'm I I I'm hard pressed to come up with someone else who uh, who who could possibly operate the space that Donald Glover and, uh, and that, that Donald Glover operates in. I just can't think of anybody. I, I just think that Atlanta. I, I really hope folks watch it because it again, it's just it each year it's gotten more meta <laughs> <laughs> but like last week i watched this episode of, i i how do you come up with this idea where all your exes are <laughs> this is insane like all their exes were following them around 
all over the city. They're stuck in. It's like it's weird. It's like a Jordan Peele type of thing. That's what Dude, it felt like. Did you see the episode uh, uh, about the children's book author? Yes. Dude, yes. I literally screamed out loud. Yes. I, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to spoil anything. But oh. the, the twist, because you felt such sadness and such empathy for the woman who was yep. the children's book author. Yep. But then the twist at the end that they added, I was I was watching it by myself and I literally oh. screamed out loud and I had to rewind it and watch it again. I, yeah. there, there has never been a television show that has made me do that. It's crazy, man. And it's crazy. Wild. Wild. Yeah. And I remember that episode going, okay, I don't really know how I should feel about this situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I walked away going, I don't know how I feel. That was pretty fucked up what happened. <laughs> but. But I kind of get it. <laughs> Good call. Good call. Before we get to the juice, I, I just want to, I want to help out, uh, I want to help out the fellas out there who, uh, who are maybe looking for, for a come up. Um. And I, I have something that uh, I think if, if it's done right, it's going to change someone's life. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, do you know who Mackenzie Scott is? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I know where you're going, man. Mackenzie Scott <laughs> is the ex-wife of Amazon creator and guy who is probably going to destroy the planet, <laughs> Jeff Bezos. Uh, ex-wife they got divorced uh, a couple years ago and Mackenzie Scott in uh, the divorce from Jeff Bezos walked away with oh. close to 40 billion dollars not 40 oh. million she got 40 billion dollars to no oh. longer have to see Jeff Bezos naked now she God. gave away half of the 40 billion to charity which means Mackenzie Scott is sitting on a paltry Twenty billion dollars. <laughs> now I bring all that up to say, gentlemen, Mackenzie Scott is available because after divorcing Jeff Bezos, Mackenzie Scott married some guy named Dan Jewett, who yeah. was a science teacher in Washington State. Now Dan Jewett, you would think he was like, "Yo, I just came up on a billionaire." <laughs> It's a billionaire's ex-wife who is also a billionaire herself. Yes. Even Kevin Federline looked at that and went, yo, that's a sweet come up right there. You would think this Dan Jewett guy is like, I ain't never going to let this go. Well, guess what? Either he let it go or he got let go because Miss Kenzie Scott, Jeff Bezos's ex-wife, who is sitting on $20 billion, ended her second marriage to the aforementioned Dan Jewett. So I say all that to say this, fellas, you better sharpen up your game because Mackenzie Scott is available. Man. Let me tell you something. If you get it, hold on to it because Dan Jewett fumbled the bag hard. Let me tell you something. Bro. I marry Mackenzie Scott. <laughs> you it's gonna be death do us part because you ain't leaving me oh no i have gotten accustomed to being a billionaire the husband of a billionaire divorcee oh no baby uh, you uh, ain't leaving me for nothing what's funny rod is i didn't even know she had gotten remarried so like this happened so fast i, I didn't even know she got remarried and i guess she's only married for two years right Mm -hmm. I'm like, what happened? 
I think that, you know, she had it. I think everybody goes this, you go to that breakup. This dude was shitty. I spent all these years with him. All of a sudden, this new cat comes along. You fresh out the box. You do a little trauma bonding. I'm in love. You get mad. You realize, oh, fuck. <laughs> this is wrong. I got to get out of here. Uh-uh. No, see, I, I, I put it on old boy again for fumbling the bag. <laughs> Yo, dog. You should already know <laughs> off the rip that you are rebound, okay? Yeah. So you need to understand that, and you need to play your role accordingly. Mackenzie Scott would have gotten flowers every day <laughs> from me. She'd have got her feet rubbed every day. She'd have gotten three meals cooked every single day. She wouldn't have lacked for no attention, no, 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 no physical contact, no, no emotional attention. She would have got everything from me. I don't know how Dan Jewett fucked that off hard. You understand and, what I'm saying? I, you know, on, on the other side of this thing, just on a, a, a slightly more serious point, I don't know that, I've actually thought about this, like if I ever won the lottery, I wouldn't tell anybody. Like if I hit that billion billion dollar uh, mega millions, I don't think I would ever tell anybody because everything around me would change. Every human being around me would change. Hell yeah! And that would be such a fucking isolating feeling because you wouldn't know who the fuck to trust. I would have literally not be. I wouldn't. And me, the way I am, I'm like, I don't. Tr- I come, you know, come from out where I come. I don't trust you anyway. So. <laughs> Now you give me this money and everybody know I got this money. I can't trust nobody. I can't trust nobody. I wouldn't I wouldn't tell a soul until I we married. I wouldn't tell anybody either, but uh my ostentatious displays of wealth would give me away. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Cuz I'm 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 the type of idiot to drive to drive a chrome car that is fur-lined on the inside. You know what I'm saying? I, I'll be that dude too, man. I like we we can go out. Um I'm gonna take you to McDonald's and uh we're going to enjoy these Big Macs, and she's going to think I'm broke, and then we get back to my mansion. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> That's all I'm going to have. Right, right, yeah. My, my already ridiculous uh, <laughs> shoe uh, fetish will, will be even more intense. What uh, are you, you splurging know. on? What are you splurging on if you uh, you got that billion dollars? What are you splurging on? I am buying an airplane. I am buying an airplane, and I'm talking, I'm, I'm buying like a, a 747. Damn, because you know, they don't make those anymore. So I figured you could get one for fairly cheap. <coughs> they getting, don't. I'm getting. Oh yeah, they don't make some 47s anymore. Not, not for not for commercial air travel. They still they still make them for cargo. You know, for like now. Why why is that? I'm sorry. I'm going to tell. Oh, you. I did not know this. Why is that? Okay, so here comes the airplane nerd in me. Uh, there there, you know, some 47 was really the only way you could you could circumnavigate the globe. Right. Uh, uh, but you know, with the four engines and you could pack yeah. 500 to 600 people in there. Well, now you can you can do it. Uh, uh, a lot cheaper. Now they have twin engine planes that can carry just as many people. They're oh. better on fuel, so it's more, it's cheaper and more efficient. Ah, gotcha. So, yeah, so that's why the seven forty seven is falling out of favor with the airline. So that's gotcha. enough of, of uh, airplane nerd talk. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I would buy myself a, uh, a, a a jumbo jet airplane and uh, always have it on the ready and have it standby to where I can go anywhere I want to go. I think that I, 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 and, then I, I, I re- and, and then I would spend the rest on PCP. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. I realize, uh, I realize that I don't have a lot of 
big materialistic uh, wants needs. Like I like clothes, but I'm also the dude who's never going to spend a shitload of money on clothes, even though I like them. Uh, but I would definitely splurge on homes. I love cool ass houses, dude. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I would buy sure. a couple of. I would get splurge on houses, and I would splurge on houses around the world and have different residences around the world. <clears throat> I would live like Howard Hughes in his final days, where I would just live in. <laughs> I would just live in, you know, the penthouse suites of luxury hotels. <laughs> And yeah. eat the Hershey bars and watch television. <laughs> but you would cut your toenails. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah you would 100%. cut your toenails. Given <laughs> McKinsey Scott, I would how is old boy fuck up being married to a billionaire divorce? What, what, how do you mess that up? What did you do? Man stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, like, was he leaving wet towels on the floor? Hey, you know what, Rod? I, I, I'm being completely serious when I say this. It wouldn't shock me if it simply came down to this dude was complete. He felt completely emasculated by this woman's wealth. Okay, man. I, I, it, it, it wouldn't shock me at all. I've known, I've had girlfriends, uh, girls who were friends who were like millionaires. And they would tell me all the time they would have really difficult really hard time finding guys who would stay with him because they always say they can handle her making all this money. But then when they actually got into that relationship, it just became a thing. Shit. It just became a thing. I'm like, wow. I'll handle her. <laughs> I handle it. I'm fine with it. Man, you didn't miss me with all that nonsense. I'm fine know. with it. I don't know how to deal with a woman that makes a lot of money. Are you? I'm not talking about you, but yeah. are you that much of a wuss? Yes. That you can, man, please. Yes. Good you, God. I mean, you hear all the time these 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 uh, these dudes talk about how the man should be the, the caretaker, and a woman if a woman makes more money than him, then what's his purpose? I'm like, wow, dude, you don't think very much of yourself. No, not at all. And then you know what? If if this is a you know if this is a, a dick measuring contest, then stack your bread up. Then yep, make some money <laughs> for real. Stop being a broke boy <laughs> for real. <laughs> or just understand your station in life and make the best of it. That's what I'm talking about, Mackenzie Scott's like you know what? Tonight I just think we should talk. You know what, baby? I'm here to listen. <laughs> Let's chat. Because you got $20 billion. <laughs> we can talk about every one of those dollars if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Man, please. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> all right. That's not good shit. Good shit. Uh, uh, let me jump into the juice as we close yeah. this thing out. Uh, I, I just saw someone else drop a book today. Uh, Donald Trump was in office for just four years. I honestly can't think of uh, a president who's had more former staffers write books about their time with that particular administration. There's a bunch who wrote about the Clinton years. Uh, only a few, surprisingly, wrote about the Obama years. But at last count, 13 former Trump staffers have written books kind of detailing their time in the White House and obviously most of that time was pretty awful. And the things they have to say about the president was pretty awful. Mm -hmm. It burns me up, though, Rod, that all these people come out of the woodwork now and speak about all these horrible things that Donald Trump used to do and the way he used to lead uh, his administration and the way he was pretty unethical and criminal 
and corrupt in his dealings. And they waited till after office and they held the stuff to themselves until they got their book deal. Until mm, they can Clearly, make some money off of it. Yeah, just pieces of shit. But my question to you is, is it still important for us to read these things? Uh, no, but here's what you should do. Do the old, do the old Abby Hoffman and steal that book. Don't pay for it. Don't don't because here here's the thing. What what they are engaging in is is economic uh, cowardice. They held on to this stuff that they mm -hmm. knew was important. That they knew could really uh, change uh, the 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 current course of this country for the better by exposing this guy. Maybe, maybe I'm being naive here that it wouldn't, but I think exposing this fraud for for who he is, which is a fraud. Is, is is important. It should have been something we were proactive in doing and not reactive in doing, which is we're reacting to it now. Uh, but they held on to the stuff. And listen, Bob Woodward is, is, is you know, he's thought of as a, as a saint in the journalism world, but Bob yeah. Woodward has done this. That yes. he's, he's known terrible things that, that uh, the former president has done, and he waited until it was convenient where he could put it in book form and then sell it. No, the American <clears throat> people needs to know this stuff when it actually happens. So, you know, he, he is just as gross in this endeavor as these former Trump staffers. But they held on to this stuff so yep. they could put it in book form so they could profit off it, so they could make money off of it. So, again, it goes back to either don't read it, but if you feel compelled to read it, steal the book. Don't pay for this. Don't reward these people for being cowards. Yeah, that's such a good way to put it. It is completely cowardice. And... Uh, very self-centered. Uh, I, I, it, it's offensive that it's these. Un are, it's un-American. I was just about to say it that. It makes it's, you a slave to capitalism. Just, where I'm going. I'm going to get mine, and I'm going to make money off this information. When, when what you sh you should be your 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 uh, your loyalty. Yes. And your fidelity should not just be to your own personal bottom line. It should be to the health of this country. That is the reason you are able to be such a greedy capitalist. Amen. You, you put it perfectly. I was just about to say that same exact thing. It is un-American. And these are the same people who claim day after day to be patriots. And they do the least patriotic thing of all, which is to protect the union. Mm. None of this stuff matters after the point. None of it matters because the damage is already done. So, really, you've done this not because, and you hear them all talk about, well, I just wanted the world to know this. Well, you didn't want the world to know right. because you, you stayed in that job, you took those paychecks, and when people ask you point blank about any of these issues, you kept your mouth shut. You wanted the and, world to know on your terms, right? Right, and that's some bullshit. That's this is these are so, these are the most in, uh, disingenuous, unpatriotic people who have ever walked the the the, the grounds of this nation. I. I I wish nothing but the worst, nothing but the worst for all these people. And I certainly hope you, the people follow your advice. Don't read that book unless you steal that book straight up. Yeah. Good call, I mean, Rob it, Brooks. It, it, it just, just don't even bother with it. You know, that dude and it, it was, is garbage was, you know, acting like garbage when he was uh, the president and the people around him are just as garbage. And the, so, the, the shitty part about this is that, even if even reading these things, the fact that these books come out after they have all left the administration, it, it gives them almost no credibility with the people who used to be their supporters because they'll just say, well, you, you're just writing this stuff because you're disgruntled. We don't believe anything you say. Right. So it, ha it doesn't have any effect that way either. Nah, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. It's frustrating, but. <laughs>
you just got to look at who you're dealing with. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's real talk. Actually, think dealing with. I suspect your boy's going to be uh, in the who's guy at some point. That's just me. I'm God. betting money on it. I'm God. betting money on it. Wouldn't it be great? Oh, my God. It'd be hilarious to see this this bloviating idiot uh, rolling around in an orange jumpsuit with handcuffs. <laughs> you remember the end of uh, Return of the Jedi, you know, after Darth Vader was, uh, was, yeah. you know, was, yeah. was killed yeah. and uh, the Empire fell. And you remember yeah. how the entire galaxy celebrated? Yes. <laughs> That's what's going to happen in the United States when old boy gets what he so richly deserves. <laughs> Facts. We're going to be partying with Ewoks and shit. It's going to be great, y'all. <laughs> facts on facts. God damn it, Rod Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> and that has been another rousing edition of your favorite podcast, Quality Hang. Not just the name of the podcast. Clearly, you, you can tell by all the fun we're having. It is, uh, it's when we get together, it's just a quality hang. And we hope you enjoy uh, listening to what we do as much as we enjoy doing it for you. Make sure you follow us on all the socials uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Quality Hang or at Quality Hang Pod. Marcus, fun as always, my man. Let's do it. Yes, again sir. Next week. Yes, sir. Let's do it, baby. All right, everybody. Be good or be good at it. We'll see you.